Listen, this morning I want to speak a message that's going to be encouraging. Is that all right if I preach an encouraging and healing message this morning? And uh, it's not an ear-tickling message, but I believe it's a word in season. I believe that it's going to bless some. And I want to ask you a question for the title. Who are you listening to? Now just hold tight now. I'm not going to get real prophetic on this one. Remember, this is meant to be healing. Who are you listening to? In Revelation 12, 10, it says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God day and night, I love this, has been cast down. Come on, give the Lord some praise that Satan has defeated this morning. Father, today I thank you that you're in this place, and I thank you that you're here to heal. Very specifically, I believe this message is going to speak to quite a few, and we're ready. I pray this Father's Day would be a life-transforming day for your glory. May we decrease and may you increase. And everybody said amen. amen. We have to be careful who we are listening to. The Bible calls Satan the accuser of the brethren, the accuser. Have you ever had the feeling that someone was talking about you, that they were saying not so good and nasty things about you? You ever felt that? If you do, you're feeling that way for good reason. Satan is always talking bad things about us. He's accusing us of things that we've done, and he's lying to us about God, and he's lying to us about ourselves, and he's relentless. He accuses us night and day. This means that there's no let up. You ever woken up in the morning and just felt like there was something off? Just felt like there was something wrong and for some reason you didn't feel good about you? And you just didn't feel good about the things that God was doing in your life or about what you were accomplishing in your life? If you've ever been there, would you just wave at me for just a minute? Listen, i got to tell you this morning, I almost overslept. I have not overslept since I was a teenager, really. Almost overslept this morning. But I was having a dream and I was glad it was like it... At just a little, about close to 6.30, the Holy Spirit woke me up, and I was having this weird dream. I had had this dream that I had preached the most boring message in all the world, and everybody knew it and was telling me about it. They were kind of like walking around going, yeah, that was horrible. I hope so, but I got to tell you, listen, every person who's been a public speaker have sat there and preached their heart out, and there's been crickets in the room. Everyone has. Someday, amen, yeah, someday, <laughs> okay, so, listen, and, and so I woke up this morning, and, and Satan was trying to shake me, and then the Lord reminded me what I was preaching this morning, and I went, he's doing it, yeah. Yeah. he's just accusing even in the middle of the night, Romans 8, 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Listen, is there anyone in the room this morning who's in Christ Jesus today? Listen, while we all know that verse and believe it, there are times that walking it out is difficult because Satan's relentless. 
For many, believing his lies has become catastrophic. They're left struggling, just hanging on to life, wanting to believe that they are worthy, that they're good, that they're special, that they're chosen and blessed. But they're dying inside. They're discouraged, emotionally drained. And I want to ask you a question. Who told you you were unworthy? Who told you that you're no good? Who told you that you're worthless or useless or unusable to God? Who keeps reminding you that you're weak, helpless, or a total failure? Who told you that you don't measure up and that your life will never amount to anything? Listen, we need to know and recognize the voice of the enemy. He's constantly telling you that God's angry at you and that you disappoint him. And I want to remind you that that voice is straight out of the pit of hell. Ask someone next to you, who are you listening to? Go ahead, ask him this morning. Satan's been lying to you for so long that now his voice sounds like your voice. And you're doing his work because you're now speaking those things to yourself. We need to be careful who we're listening to. Do you know that all too often we're nosy about what others are saying about us? Many of us get into trouble because we think that what everyone is saying about us is our business. And it's not. Some people have good things to say, and others don't have anything good to say. Ecclesiastes 7.21 says, Also do not take heart uh, to everything people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. The Amplified says, Also do not take seriously everything that is said. The New Living Translation says, Don't eavesdrop on others, or you may hear your servant curse you. Listen, there are some things that we don't need to know, and there are some people that we do not need to be listening to. There are some famous people that I really respect, and in interviews they say, I refuse to read the papers, I refuse to read the tabloids, whether they're good or bad, what anyone writes about me. Because if they're writing all the good, not all the good is true. And if they're writing all the bad, I don't even need to know it. I think that's smart. Whether they're in sports, whether they're in politics, whether they're in entertainment, listen, and for you and me, it's important that we don't listen to what everybody is saying about us. We need to care about what God says about us and not what other people's opinions are. Listen, God's opinion is the one that matters. Now, there are going to be certain people that God places into our life whose opinions matter because they're encouragers. Now, I found this, true encouragers can also be correctors, but they always do so with the intention of building up and not tearing down. And they've learned how to phrase things and do things and say things when they bring that correction to build us up in a way that actually impacts our life and not makes us walk through the cycle of discouragement and despair until we're finally built up again. How many of you are thankful for those type of people? Sometimes our encouragers will help to humble us.
but they will do it with the understanding that as we learn to humble ourselves, God will lift us up. I want to remind you this morning, there are some of us that go, well, God's just humbling me. That's why all these voices are going on in my head. That's why I talk to myself that way. Well, listen, I want you to hear me. True humility only comes as we do it ourselves. The Bible says that we are to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. When others do the humbling for us, it comes off as humiliation and embarrassment. And there's a big difference. I love Proverbs 29, 25. It's one of my favorite verses in all the word of God. It says, the fear of man brings a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Aren't you glad the Lord makes you safe? Can I ask you a question? Who are you listening to? As long as you listen to the Lord, there will be that emotional and personal protection. We all understand in our flesh that we're unworthy. And we understand that we can never be worthy on our own. Unfortunately, many of us are allowing Satan to rob us of the abundant life that is ours in Christ because we have listened to him and we're believing his lies. If every one of us listened to and believed the accusations of the devil, then none of us could stand before God confidently. All of our churches would be empty because there'd be no one worthy or capable of serving, preaching, discipling, or teaching. And someone needs to hear this today. You have been made worthy by the cross of Jesus Christ and his precious blood. You need to know today that it is Christ who has made you fit, who has made you worthy, who has qualified you, who has purified you, and because of him, you are good enough. Would you turn to someone and say you're good enough? Go ahead and tell them right now in Jesus' name. I ran across this. Someone posted this this week, and I reposted it on my website or on the uh, on the Facebook page for the church. I thought it was great. They said, I want to remind someone today that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. You believe the lie that you're too unqualified, unskilled, uneducated, unworthy, unimpressive, or unintelligent to do anything significant for God. Instead of believing God, you've pulled back, settled down, and resigned yourself to a just-get-by life. The truth is, you're not who people have said you are. You're not what you've done, and you're not even who you think you are. You are who God says you are. You are created in the image of God. You are a daughter or a son of the king. You can do whatever God has called you to do. You can be whoever God has called you to be. God is not limited by our limitations. God has always called ordinary people to do extraordinary things for his glory. And no one can do what God has called them to do in their own strength. No one. We all need supernatural empowerment from a supernatural God to fulfill a supernatural purpose. Trust in God, not your own abilities or your own understanding. I thought that was great. I want to remind you that what Jesus did on the cross has qualified you for a godly inheritance and an eternal significance. Colossians 1, 9 through 14 says, For this reason we also, 
since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. I pray this morning that blessing over your life that you would understand all that God has given you and poured into you. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Words are powerful. The Bible tells us that the power in the tongue is the power of life and death. And this includes the words that we allow ourselves to listen to and the words that we speak to ourselves. We must refuse to listen to words that are designed to bring death to our life. Listen, the truth is, if someone was shooting at you this morning, you'd get out of harm's way. Well, at least if you're smart enough, you will. But we must also be very careful about the words we speak to ourselves and make sure that we're speaking life. There are many people that would never commit physical suicide, yet they commit emotional suicide every day, every day, by the words they speak to themselves. James 1.19 says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And I want to focus for a moment on the idea of being slow to speak. And this includes the way that we speak to ourselves. You see, our tongue and by extension our thoughts have control over us like nothing else does. It can chart the course of our lives. The words we speak to ourselves and allow to be spoken over us and received can set off an entire chain of events that make life awesome and blessed or miserable. Proverbs 10.19 says, In the multitude of words, Sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. The Amplified says it this way, when there are many words, transgression and offense are unavoidable. But he who controls his lips and keeps thoughtful silence is wise. Listen, not only in how we speak to others, but in how we speak to ourselves and what we allow others to speak over us that we receive. Listen, where words are many, the Bible says, offense is unavoidable. And often we bring offenses and results on our own life by what we say about ourselves. You ever offended yourself? 
I found that when our life is flooded and our mind is flooded by negative thinking, when Satan just assaults our minds with a flood of discouragement and repetitive circular thinking, we need to know that good is not being designed for us. That accusation, that offense that he's bringing also causes us to sin against ourselves and others by taking what God has made precious and tearing it down. We need to realize what's happening while it's happening. And the sooner we're able to do that, the quicker we can take authority over it in Jesus' name. Listen, the Word of God is very transparent. I love how people in the Word of God remind us that even mighty men and women of God struggled with the same things we do. Doesn't that make you feel a little better? Aren't you glad that God allows us to see in His Word that there are ways to overcome what the enemy would throw at us? You see, if you're taking notes today, write this down. Even mighty men and women of God deal with discouraging and self-defeating thoughts. You can be the most spiritual man or woman of God, the most prayed up you've ever been, but understand that Satan will attack, especially because you are a problem for him. Turn to someone and say, you're a problem for the devil. Come on, tell them that right now. You're a problem for the devil. When I wake up, I'm glad that I'm a problem for the devil. I want to be problem for the devil. Listen, there are some days where you don't want to deal with the problems of life, but I got to tell you, when the enemy begins to trouble me, I just get a little bit more excited and want to trouble him. I love saying trouble your trouble. So when the devil decides he's going to be my trouble, I can give it back in the name of Jesus. In Psalms 42, 5, David was dealing with a moment And he said, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Listen, all of us have asked ourselves that question. Why are you so downcast? Why are you feeling so bad today? Why are you feeling shaken? I can't even put a finger on it. Everything in life is actually pretty good when I look at it. There might be a few things I'm not enjoying at a moment, but life isn't horrible. Why do I feel like this? The word downcast means to be depressed, sad, or sorrowful. And the psalmist quickly recognized that he was caught in a middle of a tide of pessimism, that he was in a moment that he needed to deal with. And he was transparent, and he allowed us to look into his soul. Listen, from the time that he was young, David dealt with the voices of others. And it was something he would deal with throughout his lifetime. In 34 years of ministry, what I've found is that the people who deal with a great deal of depression and discouragement of adults, it stems from what happened to them in their childhood. It doesn't even have to be the crushing blow of of an abusive family. Something happened when they were young, and the enemy gained a foothold. David was the same way. David went to take his brother some food and 
while Israel was lined up for battle and Goliath was taunting the Israelites, all he did was obey his father to bring some food to his brother. And for David, his older brother Eliab was larger than life. He was the oldest. David was the youngest. And while he was there, he was being curious. He was bold. He was adventurous. And his brothers used words to attack him. At 1 Samuel 17, 28, now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when David spoke to the man, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. J'accuse. That's French for accusation. I love that word. Sometimes other languages have a great way of putting things. J'accuse. Sometimes when the enemy does that to me, I'll turn around and go, J'accuse. You're accusing me. You're a moron. I don't like it. I'll look at people who like to accuse me of things. And listen, now that I'm in my 50s, I don't have a problem letting other people who are accusing me of things that I'm not doing, letting them know that I don't appreciate it. I really do. A lot of people back down. The world counts on that now. The world counts on you being insecure. The world counts on you being emotionally weak. It counts on us backing down from everything. And I love when people begin to do that and you sense that insecurity rise up, that you look them in the eye and go, I don't like that one little bit. As a matter of fact, you can stop right now. People say, well, you know, you're supposed to turn the other cheek. You haven't hit me yet. And before you think you're going to, I can verbally stop you. Come on, someone say a good amen. Now listen. Eliab looked at David. Who do you think you are? You're prideful. You left those few sheep. You're insignificant. You're small. What you do isn't a big deal. Why did you even come here? It's painful. Listen, David may have gone on to be king, but this kind of thing carried with him. You're small. You're the youngest. You're the runt of the family. You are unworthy and insignificant. And then his brother accuses him of pride and arrogance. First he belittles him, and then he tells him he's prideful. Listen, this is one of Satan's ways of speaking to us. He accuses us of being the lowest, and then he calls us arrogant. Talk about gaslighting. He just gets you coming and going. You ever been there? Satan's been doing this since Adam and Eve. In Genesis 3, 9 and 11, then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you you were naked? Did you catch that? One of the first things that Satan did to men and women was to make them self-conscious. Before all this, they were only God conscious. They only knew God. They didn't even know they were naked. They weren't concerned about how they looked or what others thought about them. And God looked at them and said, who told you you were naked? They were innocent. Naked wasn't a problem. They had no idea. 
Satan, who is the accuser, always wants to expose us and make us feel vulnerable and naked and ashamed of who we are. But that's not our God. Satan exposed Adam and Eve's failures. And he does that with us. He accuses us and points out all the flaws. But I want you to see what God did. In Genesis 3.21, it says, Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. I want you to tell someone next to you, God's got you covered. God protects and he covers all of our vulnerabilities, all of the areas that make us feel naked, all the areas that we seem exposed, that all the world must be able to see what we see. God covers them. Isn't that beautiful? Church, I want to remind you that's our God. Another lie that Satan likes to remind us of is all of our shortcomings and disabilities. He will remind us of all the reasons that what God has for our lives and what he wants to do in our lives can't be done. You see, if David's older brother, who he looked up to, didn't discourage him and do him in, King Saul didn't have an encouraging word for him either. In 1 Samuel 17, 33, And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for your youth. And he's a man of war from his youth. You're inexperienced. You're a runt. You have no idea. This guy's a warrior. Listen, this is why you and I have to be careful who we take advice from. And who we allow to speak into our life. David had to discount the words of a king because they collided with his faith. I want to remind you that just because someone is prominent in society doesn't mean that they speak for God. Don't allow even the most famous, the most noble, the biggest leaders of people to remind you of all the reasons that something cannot be done. Listen, I read something this week that I loved. Be one of the rare people that doesn't know how to quit. Be one of the rare people that when other people speak into their life and it's a negative thing or the devil accuses you, you know who your God is and you know who you are in God and you're not going to back down. Listen, Satan loves to keep you on the bench. He loves to keep you out of the game. He loves to keep you out of the battle. He'll tell you you're not smart enough, you're not strong enough, you're not seasoned enough, you don't have money enough, or you're not even known well enough just be still. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on, say that with me this morning. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Someone said this, Satan can give me a million reasons why something cannot be done. I only need to give him one about why I can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. David had a great answer for Saul. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. Listen, 
Instead of allowing negative people to change his mind, David answered him in a way that changed their mind. I like that. I believe that the people of God need to be the ones changing the mind of other people, not them changing ours. I want to remind you that you are a giant killer. That God's already seen you some incredible things. Some of you have already fought bears and lions in your life and won. Some of you have already been through some of the hardest things that other people have never been through. They didn't see you fight those battles in private. They didn't see when the bear came out of the woods and you tear it up. They didn't see when the lion snuck up on you and you turned around and you defeated it. The Bible says the devil's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I don't know if you haven't noticed yet, but you ain't been eaten up. You're still here. You're still alive and kicking you are victorious and an overcomer in jesus name you have been through battles and you've gone through and the next one you're going to do just as fine in it might be bigger than you've ever faced it might be bigger than others have ever faced and they might think you're too much of a runt to do it i love underdogs I also love spiritual underdogs because they don't understand greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. That's the kind of power that we have in our life. You see, another lie that Satan will tell us is that we're not blessed. One of Satan's tricks is to curse you. David knew that he was blessed, that you can't curse what God has blessed. You've heard me preach that over the years. If you've been in this church, you cannot curse what God has blessed. Touch someone right now and tell them you're blessed. Go ahead. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are blessed. We need to live like we're blessed and that we can't be cursed. You've heard me say this too. Listen, I've had a few people who like to cuss me out. Every time they do that, I don't get mad. I get glad. I wind up smiling. I think it's the greatest thing in all the world. You can tell me to do things that are not physically possible. I think that's hysterical because I'm not cursed. I'm blessed in the name of Jesus. Someone needs to hear this. You're not cursed. No matter how hard, long, and loud the enemy is shouting it. If you belong to Jesus, you're blessed. And you cannot be cursed. In 1 Samuel 17, David was dealing with the Goliath. And it says, so the Philistines said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Little g. Listen, real profanity is Satan cursing you. Don't you dare join in and curse yourself. Satan loves to convince you that you're cursed. He'll say that you're nothing. You're a dog. You're the bottom. You're a rotten so-and-so. You can fill in the blank. But Satan will tell you that you were destined to fail. And David, he refused to entertain the lies and the cursing. He told Goliath this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you and cut off your head. I like that. All of us have been through those seasons and those times where the enemy accuses and lies. Just because you are a powerful man or woman of God doesn't mean you won't feel the attack.
doesn't mean that it might not give you a twinge of fear and a little bit of doubt. But you begin to speak what God has said you are back to the enemy. I love when the enemy starts saying, this is going to happen and I'm going to do this and take care of that. What, like David looked at Goliath and said, I'm going to cut off your head today. I wish there'd be some Christians who get a little bold with the devil and get a little bold with the world. Be confident. The world likes to turn on you, what you've said and the things you've done. Listen, you can come back intelligently. Doesn't mean that sometimes you might not have to catch your breath. Doesn't mean that there might not be times where, and if you've ever been in that place, you ever, all of a sudden, you've been in that thing, you've been facing someone that intimidates you, and you can't catch your breath, and you try to talk, and it's like, I had that happen. Every once in a while, it'll be there. And you're trying to say, and you just feel weak inside. You're like, what in the world is that? What I've learned is your flesh may feel that intimidation, but you've got more than your flesh to depend on. You've got the spirit of the living God who lives inside of you. And listen, sometimes God will give you a moment if you need to catch your breath and then get his voice. Allow yourself to regain your composure. Just because you lost your composure for a moment doesn't mean that you have to stay there and let the enemy stand over you and continue to accuse you because you lost your voice for a minute. Listen, you don't need your voice. You've got the voice of God inside of you the Spirit of God inside of you that will well up within you and you don't have to bring it out of yourself. Listen, man or woman of God, understand that that Spirit of God is strong and that Spirit of God is not intimidated. That Spirit of God is not going to back down from any enemy and He will cause you to speak back at them in a way. Listen, little David may have found out for a minute that he's staring at a giant and may have lost his breath, but he reached into that little satchel of his put a rock inside the sling and started to spin it for a little while I believe he just probably looked at Goliath while he caught his breath and said listen this day the Lord is going to deliver you into my hands and then he let the stone fly and you know what he did he ran up to Goliath David didn't have a sword. He took the sword out of Goliath's hand and cut off his own head with his own sword. Later in life, when David was being intimidated and being chased again, walked into the tabernacle and told the priest, I need a sword. He said, you know, we don't have any here but Goliath's. And David looked at him and said, That'll do. There is nothing like it in all the world. Listen, I like that fighting spirit. I want to remind you, you need to be careful who you're listening to. Thoughts are a choice. Who we listen to is a choice. Words are a choice. And our thoughts are just words we speak to ourselves. David confronted his negative thinking. He believed that his thoughts were a choice and that he had a duty to keep them in line with his beliefs about God. And I want to remind you that God doesn't command us to do anything 
that we don't have the ability to accomplish. The same is true of how we think. Too often we mistakenly think that our thoughts are things that happen to us instead of in us. But much of what happens to us begins what is happening within us. And God is challenging us to identify what choices we are making about the negative, about the godless thoughts, about the self-defeating thoughts that are in our mind. I love Philippians 4.8. In the Amplified, it says this, Finally, believers, I want you to look at me for a minute. Finally, believers, that's you. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, Think continually on these things. Center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. Listen, just because you choose to think on the good instead of all the negative doesn't mean that you are compromising. It means that you are wise. It means that you understand you don't have to stay focused on the lies of the enemy and the negative of the world and all the reason you can't. You can't. That's another lie of the devil. You're just compromising. You need to listen to this. You don't need to listen to it. You just need to think about this for a little while. You don't need to think about that. It's not that you don't know it. You already know it. You're just choosing not to stay focused on it. Our thoughts need to be exposed to God. And the Bible tells us to take every thought captive and make it submit to the knowledge of God. When I woke up this morning... The devil said, you're going to preach one of the most boring sermons you're ever going to have in your life. You, you are a horrible preacher and people just put up with you. I looked at my wife and I, and I, I told my wife that, that this morning and she just hugged me and she said, that was a dream. And she kissed me on the cheek and said, now go get dressed. I got a good wife. And I looked at the enemy as I got into the shower and turned on the hot water and just said, you're a liar. You're trying to do to me so that I can't bring that life to people this morning. You're a liar. Listen, Satan's accusations and negativity will grow exponentially if you leave them unchecked. Deciding who we're going to listen to is an act of faith. And this is our year of living by faith. Psalms 42.5 says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? David began to speak to himself. Hope in God. For I shall praise him for the help of his countenance. How many of you have decided that your hope is in God? We must decide if we're going to listen to God or to other voices. We must decide to praise God instead of cursing ourselves and our situations. Choose hope. 
Listen to hope. He's our strength. And when you do, David said he's the help of my countenance. It'll change the way you look. It'll change the way you walk. It'll change who you are as we put our hope in Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning? For just a minute, if you would, with every head bowed and eyes closed. You know, we've done a little bit of shouting, a little bit of being excited for what God has done. But I believe that this is a healing moment on this Father's Day. I want you to hear me. He loves you. You're an overcomer and conqueror in Christ. You are precious to God. You're precious to this church family. No matter what anybody says about you or thinks about you, listen, everybody has their detractors. Everybody. Everybody has someone that doesn't believe in you. Everybody has someone that says, you're really never going to amount for nothing. That's just a lie. The devil's a liar. Sometimes the devil speaks through other people. But today the Spirit of God is speaking to you. Listen, if you would say, Pastor, dealing with that kind of discouragement, that kind of hurt, I want you to lift your hand in this place. If you've been dealing with that, all over this room. This morning, that word is for you. Holy Spirit, we invite you right now into this place to do a healing work. Now, I'm not calling to the altar this morning because the devil loves to expose Jesus' covers. And right where you are, he's the healer. Listen, just as those attacks have been personal, listen, I want you to understand that right where you are, you are surrounded by a church that loves you, that is for you, they care about you. You are safe in Jesus' name. Father, right now I pray healing upon those that have known the attack of the enemy. Lord, I thank you that we can understand we're not alone. This is something that is very particular, very familiar to every believer. But I thank you, Lord, right now in Jesus' name that there is healing in this place. I ask you, God, all the cuts and scars that no one sees, because they're not on the outside, that they would be healed this morning on the inside. Lord, whether they're a man or a woman, I thank you, Lord, we're aware of the things we've failed in. We know our sins, but we thank you that just like Adam and Eve, you've covered those with the blood of Jesus Christ. When we remind you of them, you ask, what are they? Because you've tossed them in the sea of forgetfulness. I thank you that all of our sin, all of our failures, all of our missteps and mistakes are covered under the blood of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord, you don't leave them out in the open for others to see. I thank you, Lord, that not one person in this room needs to measure up to someone else's standard. I thank you that today we have an audience of one, God our Father. And I thank you that you're not a father that looks 
and favors one child over the other. I thank you that we're all your favorite. (laughs) I thank you that you've created us uniquely. And I pray right now that all those things would begin to come a lot to life in each one. Those that have held back because they think they're not good enough. They think they're not smart enough. They think they're not capable enough. They look at other people and think they should be like them. I thank you, you created them exactly who you wanted them to be. And I pray this morning that that healing revelation would flood their life with such encouragement. I pray that they would begin to grow in knowledge of who you are and that you're not angry, but you're filled with love. I pray that they would know that those words can be silent. Right now, for those that have been hearing those words this week and today, Satan, be quiet in Jesus' name. I bind you. I tell you to shut up now. I'm not even being polite. You just stop talking right now. And I pray that the only voice in this room that those would be able to hear are the approval and the love and goodness of God. There are some in this room that all they've known are negative thoughts, day in and day out, some for months and years. But I thank you that a Philippians 4.8 will now be their life. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. And I pray that they would see that about themselves and about their life. Let them think on those things. May this Father's Day be a day of great change. May it be a day of great healing. May it be a day of incredible encouragement. And we'll thank you for doing that work this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. If you believe the Lord is good, would you give him a happy Father's Day clap because he's faithful. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness this morning. Listen, may the Lord bless you. May you have a marvelous day. Listen, and if your family's not treating you to good food, treat yourself. You deserve it. God bless you. Have a great, great afternoon. We'll see you on Wednesday at 7 o'clock.